I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to ETFs for Beginners, where we'll be breaking down the barriers to investing in exchange-traded funds, more commonly known as ETFs. I'm Phil Muscatello. And I'm Anna Christina. Hi, Anna. How's it going? I'm great. How are you, Phil? Good, good. So, look, we've got a few questions and uh, things that we wanted to discuss, but really this is our first time getting to know each other. So I think we wanted to explore what's going on with ETFs for beginners. This is a podcast, who we are and how we came to this point in time. How do you feel about that? I think that's beautiful. I'd love to hear your backstory, Phil. (laughs) Oh, that's a very long one. (laughs) But we'll just go back a couple of years. But um, my background's in media production. I'm not a finance expert, and I've been trying out lots of different ideas for podcasts over the years. And two years and seven months ago, I started Shares for Beginners. And um, it succeeded far beyond my wildest dreams. And so I've come to this space now where I'm talking about finance. And... What I'm hoping I'm bringing to it is I'm just trying to learn everything that I can about investing. And I get to speak with the most incredible people who've got so much knowledge and background in this area. And I get to ask them the really stupid questions that no one else would want to ask them because you know what it's like in the finance industry. There's all these people who are trying to, they want to dominate you with their language using the jargon. And I just want to break down the jargon, get away from it. And I'm just hoping that I can bring listeners along on that journey to learn at the same time. That's sort of where it came from. Oh, I love that story. And I completely agree with you with the jargon. It can get quite complex. My story is kind of similar to yours in the sense that um, I've always been interested in personal finance. And over the last couple of years, I got even more interested in investing specifically, where I just went down the rabbit hole of looking into the FIRE movement, which is financial independence, retire early. And that became a catalyst of uh, just kind of throwing myself in that space. I started blogging and writing about it, sharing it with my friends. Now I work at a company called Perler, which is a fintech company company that specifically focuses on having the best financial outcomes for yourself. So it completely aligns with where I've moved in my own journey. And uh, similarly to you, I always want to be surrounded by more smarter people who will teach me about this space because it can be complex. So I'm very excited to go on this journey with you, Phil. (laughs) So what was it about personal finance that um, got you interested I mean, when was this? How long ago was it? And can you remember what it was that got you interested? I mean, was it from a young age? Yeah, I think it was from a young age. My family, they come from a very poor family. They immigrated from Croatia to Canada. So um, I always grew up in a family that was quite frugal. And my father always said to me, you know, uh, you have to save a specific percentage of what you make. And so that mentality always grew with me. And I was great at saving. I just didn't understand the second part, which was the investing part to grow your wealth. Coming from a family that focused, I guess, on property was what everyone talked about in terms of investing. The idea of investing in the stock market was risky and uh, it was like gambling. 
It's that real immigrant mentality, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm from an Italian background as well, and it's the idea is you come here, you work hard, you invest everything in property, and you just keep on building it up for the next generation. And the next generation is the ones who are fortunate to be given a really good education and a really good lifestyle just from that, um, that dynamic of the immigrants, isn't it? Absolutely. I agree with you. It's because houses are physical, they're tangible. You can touch them and you can see them grow in, in value. Whereas uh, I think for a lot of people, owning a piece of a company seems very difficult to comprehend. And so similarly to that, I think my family didn't understand that side. Although um, in Canada, we also have an equivalent of a superannuation in which, you know, people invested in, but they didn't really understand how it worked. So that was kind of the beginning of my financial journey, always being quite good at saving. I ended up saving a bit more money and then being like, what do I do with this? And that was actually the part where I stumbled across the FIRE movement and decided that investing was actually where I wanted to move forward and property was not of that much interest to me. And what is the FIRE movement? Yeah, the financial independence retire early movement is the idea that you can actually invest about 25 times your expenses. And then what you can do is that will pay in dividends and capital gains and and you can live off of that. So it creates passive income for you. And so the idea is if you continue to, to save and invest, you will then have passive income that you can actually retire on early. So you don't have to wait until 65 to retire. You can actually do that at an earlier time if you live below your means and you actually increase your investing rate, your saving rate, the percentage of the money you're saving and investing in relation to your income. It's quite a movement. I mean, for people who don't know about it, there's actually quite a movement out there. And it's, um, from what I've seen, it's got great information on how people can learn to invest and um, get some financial education from a very young age. But it can also be a bit extreme as well. I mean, there's some people it can. who take it a little bit too far, don't they? Yes, just living off of noodles and so forth. I mean, there's different levels of it, right? You can be as extreme as you want or not. The idea, though, is having good financial habits. And that's, I think, the crux of the movement. Yep. And um, tell us about blogging, starting in uh, the blogging space, the blogosphere. The blogosphere is very strange. It's a very strange space to be in as well, because I'm, you know, I'm further in my career. I have a, a higher income. I've got a family. So it's it's strange kind of starting at this side where it's always things that I thought about when I was younger. I should have done it when I was younger, but I guess it's never too late to start a new thing. So I have been kind of flirting with blogging and social media and uh, exploring that space. Problem is not having enough time when you have a full-time job. So besides that, still loving it though. And the community is great. And I think that's where it comes down to, you know, like the fire movement or even just the personal finance movement is a great community of supportive individuals. And roller derby. We need to talk about roller derby. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I played roller derby for a very long time. Um, (laughs) It's a full contact sport on roller skates. And um, I was involved for about five years. I got shortlisted for Team Canada for the first World Cup. But then I got in a car accident and uh, got a concussion. And that was kind of, I retired from roller derby due to health issues. Yeah, so I had to leave it behind. But it was an amazing way to be a part of a movement that was quite empowering and body positive and very kind of feminist. And I kind of see a lot of similarities between roller derby and the fire movement as well. This kind of grassroots movement where you're trying to better yourself in a specific way. So, yeah. 
All right, Phil, well, enough about me. Um, tell me a little bit about you. Why did you want to start this podcast? Well, ETFs for beginners, the idea basically is because obviously my podcast is called Shares for Beginners, but we ended up talking so much about ETFs that I think it deserves its own podcast. And this is why I want to take it into two strands. And this is part of what I've found. And a lot of guests have taught me about investing and that the main thing is, is that you have to know who you are. You have to know thyself. And Investing in individual companies is a journey that can take a long time and uh, takes a lot of education and um, it's like learning a language. You're not going to pick it up in a week, you know. It's going to take years before you're going to become proficient in that language. The same for investing in individual shares. And there's ways of doing it, but you've really got to know who you are and if you're interested in that. Whereas most people, really, they want to get on with their life and have a good time. And this is where ETFs come in because ETFs give you so many advantages straight off the bat. You get the diversification, you get the ease of access. And I guess that's where the whole idea came from that um, I wanted to separate it so that in Shares for Beginners, we can concentrate on that. We can stop talking about ETFs there because there's too much to talk about with ETFs. I mean, you must know this yourself. Of course, yeah. So let's dive into it. What is an ETF? What's your understanding of an ETF? Well, I guess the way I, I try to explain it to people is an ETF is an exchange-traded fund. So it is traded on the exchange in the similar way that stock shares are. But the difference is it's, it's a bit of a bundle. So it's a bundle of these companies. So you can actually buy an ETF that holds a bunch of different companies in shares. So it's not like you have to pick individual ones. And instead, you can put you know all your eggs in one basket, and that basket is quite diverse. So it's something that I invest in because... I personally want to be able to hold a lot of different companies because I don't want to make bets on this company or that company. And it's just an easy, passive way for me to kind of continue to invest and not stress about it. So that's kind of my understanding. What's your understanding? It's uh, very similar, but um, we've got to actually acknowledge that there's so many different flavors of, of ETFs. They're like subatomic particles. They just keep on you know, growing and new ones appear all the time. But the basic way I always talk about it is just to describe, okay, just think about the ASX 200. There's 200 shares on the ASX 200. You don't have to go and buy every one of those shares. You can buy them all bundled up in one package. Actually, before even that, what I always say is just think about the term exchange traded fund. Okay. It's a fund. A fund has a bunch of shares in it. That's it. Very simple. And you can trade it on the exchange. So it's available there on the share market. So if you wanted to buy the top 200 companies, you can buy that in one vehicle. And that is what an ETF is. And then, of course, you've got to start talking about weightings. You know, it's just so easy to get lost in the woods here. But um, you just kind of explain, well, you know, the biggest stocks, most of the top 50 are actually the majority of the ASX 200. And in fact, it's really the banks, BHP, Rio, Woolies, Coles, Wes Farmers. They're the main components of it. Okay. But anyway, let's not get too far into the woods at this stage explaining ETF. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I guess the other question that often gets asked is, what's the difference between ETFs and index funds? Are they the same? Are they different? I think they've become almost combined, don't you think? Actually, I don't really know the difference, and I know I should. What's your understanding of the difference? Well, a lot of ETFs do follow an index fund, but there are different indexes, so they are slightly different. But um, I think that uh, often it gets used interchangeably. But the thing is, Anna, is that um, just about every ETF is based on an index, I'm not sure if you know about this, but there are companies out there. I did a deep dive in this with one episode on Shares for Beginners. I interviewed a guy called Simon Caravan, and he works on the Singapore Exchange. And what he does is he creates indices. And these indices are made available, and they actually make money from licensing these indices to ETF providers. Okay, so if you're tech ETF, for example, that's going to be based on an index. Just about any ETF is based on an index. So this is why I think it's almost become interchangeable. ETFs are generally, except for the, you know, the more exotic ones, are based on an index. Yeah, great. That's a great explanation. So part of what we're doing here, Anna, is learning ourselves because we don't have the answers, do we? No, absolutely. Like we said previously, it's better to surround yourself with smarter people. You learn that way, right? Yep, yep, that's right. And we're hoping over the course of this to get some really smart people on to talk about ETFs and and what they mean. Yeah, absolutely. And then we can ask all the questions that we have. And instead of having to Google everything or be (laughs) worried we're saying the wrong thing, we actually have experts talking about ETFs. So we've talked a little bit about ETFs. Phil, why have you chosen to invest in ETFs? Okay, well, this... (laughs) This goes back to my poor investing outcomes in the past. And um, I know I've said this line over and over again, and most probably people have heard of it. Three years ago before I started Shares for Beginners, I didn't even know how to spell ETF. And I blame the fact that I was dealing with people in the financial services industry who didn't have my best interests at heart. And they should have explained it to me. They should have explained about diversification, the importance of diversification, how ETFs can have a role in any portfolio, the idea of the core satellite portfolio, which we can get into a little bit later on in that. So basically, I ended up with a new broker who just said, well, here's these ETFs. (laughs) We were doing a different kind of trading on the side, which I won't get into, but it involved using ETFs. And it was just suddenly like, the skies opened up to me and I realized the power of these things. And so it's been great learning them and great using them in the portfolio and great to use that idea of just having them there and slowly growing them for the long term. Reinvesting dividends, it's something else that is great with ETFs is you can have your your dividends reinvested. So it becomes this almost like an automatic saving as well as the, the contribution that you might make every week, month or whatever to do that. And I can still do my stock picking, but now that's on the side. And this is where I come into the core satellite side of things, is that I've got this core where it's all basically ETFs with a bit of diversity as well, because that's something else we should talk about is that just having the ASX 200 is not diversification enough. And then on the side, I've got these little very, very tiny, small 
they're not bets exactly, but they're companies that I've done a lot of research into and discussed with other experts on the podcast as well that I feel comfortable in sitting there holding for the long term, knowing that they're not going to blow up my whole portfolio. I love that. I love that. I think talking about diversification is extremely important in understanding how to put together a portfolio. That was something that I learned a little bit the hard way <laughs> because in Canada, when I first started putting money aside for my uh, the equivalent of a super, so in Canada, we call it a RRSP, a retirement registered savings plan. And I got asked, I had to do a little survey where it said, you know, that I was slightly on the conservative side and therefore they put a lot of bonds in my, my portfolio due to me not understanding how diversified I should be, what I should be investing in my age. So I love that you kind of brought that up. The diversification of ETFs and understanding how it makes up your portfolio is quite important. So what happened? When did you actually discover that you're investing in bonds and what that actually meant for your returns? Yeah, well, uh, I think I think there were many years that it was in there. And then as I got older and went down the financial path of understanding this space, realizing that 2.5% is a high fee to be paying. And uh, I pulled all my money out and decided that I was going to invest myself through various ETFs that I was looking through. And this is in Canada. So this is a while ago, but it took a while. It took a while to figure that out. You know, because you see movement, you see, oh, I actually am doing well because it was after the 08 crash, eventually, you know, going up, but not as not as quickly as I would have liked. Yeah. And that's the thing with bonds. Bonds have got that inverse proportionality thing, like when interest rates go down, they go up. So maybe you got to, to ride that a little bit. But really, bonds are for someone who's much older and um, who wants stability, like a ballast in their portfolio to guard against the ups and downs of the market. Absolutely. And the volatility comes with it as well, right? Like if you're a long-term investor, but that's something that's scary when you're young and starting out and you have a small amount of money, which is your only savings and you've never done it before. For me, it was, I wanted to be a bit more conservative because the question was like, how would you feel if you lost 40% of your money? (laughs) I wouldn't feel very good at that time because I didn't know better. And the thing is you don't lose that 40% of your money unless you sell. Exactly. You just got to ride this out. But you don't learn these things. (laughs) This is where it goes back to that jargon. You know, it's like, oh, you're a conservative investor. Well, what does that actually mean? Let's unpack that. And how do ETFs kind of play into that? So how do you invest in ETFs? Generally, you you just buy them on the exchange, but um, you've got to research them. I mean, I think the best thing to do for someone who's just beginning is just to, to buy one. Okay. And I won't make any recommendations. We can't make any recommendations to buy, but basically you want one that is got low fees and they've got really low fees these days. The fees are so low and it's amazing. Just get one that's based on the ASX 200, your most basic vanilla one and start learning about it. Actually, one of my guests had a great way of discussing it, which is where you start off with an ETF and then you start looking at that ETF and you actually see what the component parts of that ETF are. There's some people that have all these ETFs in their portfolio and they're basically, they become very concentrated because they're kind of mirroring each other. And so it's really important to start understanding that. So the first thing you're doing, if you're starting out as a beginner, just buy that ASX 200 ETF and then just start looking about what's what's in it, you know, and just realizing, well, do I need to own all of the banks? Do I need to have BHP and Rio? 
you know, what are some other areas that I'm interested in investing in? And again, there's ETFs available that will provide a lot more diversification for your portfolio. But when you buy that next ETF, make sure that it's not the same companies being mirrored in both of them. Absolutely. I love that. Because as you build out your portfolio, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way. When I first started out, I was terrified of buying the wrong thing. And just starting out with one ETF allows you to kind of understand a specific space or what you're invested in. And your strategy often changes over time. You know, Now I'm only investing ethically as I move forward in terms of what I'm purchasing. I'm holding my old ETFs. But that's something that changes as you learn, right? You know, (laughs) ethical ETFs didn't really exist when I started out. And now you can get indexes and ETFs that are specific around tech, around crypto, around anything. And so just by starting with one is is really how you learn. You're not going to get it all right (laughs) the first time. And plus you'll learn and things change. So I love that idea of just starting with one. And it's also really worthwhile having a look at your super, because if you look at your super, It's kind of like one big ETF. And if you've ticked the conservative box when you started out and you're 25 years old, you know, really have a think about that because that's going to be invested now for the next um, 40 years. Because that's the other thing is asset allocation is so important. And um, people don't understand the different groups. And this is, again, the jargon of the industry that we're hoping to break down. Like um, you've got equities, shares, stocks, things that you can buy and sell. You've got fixed income, which is a whole other area. You've got private equity. You've got um, property. Now, all of these sectors are called assets. And when they talk about asset allocation, and if you go into your super account, you can have a look and see what your asset allocation is and start understanding what each of those are and what they mean to your returns. Because sometimes you can accept a lower rate of return if you want to have one part of your portfolio to generate an income, for example. So I think asset allocation is another one of those areas that we will be discussing in terms of what you want to look for in the future. And of course, as you say, ESG, this is a huge area that um, people are going into and people are interested in. Yeah, I'm glad you said ESG because I often just say ethical because it's easier, but ESG stands for environmental, social and governance. So it's being able to have specific values applied to your investing strategy is essentially what that is. And it's important to know the difference between each of those um, categories as well. It's important to know the E, the S and the G in the ESG investing in the space, isn't it? Yeah, because there's big differences, isn't there? Absolutely. That was a great introduction to ETFs, Phil. Well, I'm really enjoying it, talking about it. Well, let's say that we just skimmed the surface today because we're going to be getting the experts in to talk about this. Oh, absolutely. I can't wait to learn a whole bunch, a whole bunch of things in the ETF space so that I can feel more confident as an investor and also someone who's passionate about the space. Anna, it's been really great meeting you. I'm really looking forward to working together with you on this project. Thanks, Phil. I'm really excited as well. So I can't wait to dive deep into ETFs and um, I'll see you next time. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend. It may help them and help us keep going with the show. Also, don't forget to rate us. ETFs for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not ETFs for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances, or current situation. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.